The Daily Rios for March 11th, 2013. Movie Monday. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of The Daily Rios. It's spring break this week for my university. So daddy has a week off. No meetings to go to, no theater to go to until the weekend. My girl has a full work week. So I'm going to use this time, procrastination be damned, to not sleep and to have a me week. And part of that me time is going to be catching up on some movies. Now I've said this before, I'm not a movie buff. I don't need to rush to see new releases. I don't pretend to know lots of movie trivia, and I can't instantly make connections in the movie making of one movie to ten other previous movies by that same director or actor, etc. But I do like watching movies, and I can certainly speak on movies just by using the same skills that I would put to dissecting theater or a book or a comic. Um, discussion is discussion, analysis is, ana is analysis, uh, but still... You know, tell someone you haven't seen all of, all of the Godfather movies and they look at you like you're un-American, right? <laughs> it's crazy. So, as a little backstory to this episode and to all of this, um, I've narrowed this urge that I have to catch up on movies on three recent things. Um, number one, on my friend Matt, a host on Comic Geek Speak, who, upon hearing a while ago, that on my I Never Saw list were all the Rambo movies. So he plopped the DVD collection in my hand, and this was years ago, and so far in all of those many months, I've managed to only watch just the first one. So that's definitely on my list to finish this week, and it put into my brain this idea of, of like movie franchises, right? And again, this is years ago, but movie franchises, right? Watch them all at once. That could be a lot of fun. It could be kind of like letting a comic book series stock up and reading it all at once. You know, I could get into that. So then two, at the end of last summer, and I'm not sure if I talked about this or not on a past episode, but I hung out with a friend who has an extensive DVD collection and picked out a bunch of movies, which he then narrowed down to Goodfellows and The Natural. Um, you know what? I think I did. I did do an episode early on about 100 classic movies and whether or not I saw them, and Goodfellas was on that list, and it was, it was a no, right? I hadn't seen it at the time. But come on, it's Goodfellas, right? So I finally saw it, and you know how I went two decades not seeing that movie, I don't understand. And The Natural was brilliant. Uh, it was such a great American fable. Um, so that night kick-started a bunch of interest in classic movies, uh, the greats, uh, especially since my friend Ed could totally rock his own movie podcast if he wanted to. He knows so much, and it's so fun to sit there and discuss a movie while we're watching it. And then finally, number three, whenever my girl and I want to watch a new movie that's coming out, uh, and especially if it's part of a franchise, we try to sit down and do a rewatch in time for that new movie of all the previous movies. Or maybe she is seeing the lead-up movies for the first time. Or we have a conversation about a movie and she hasn't seen it, so I write it down. For instance, we both like Disney movies, 
and I hadn't seen Toy Story 3, so we watched 1 and 2, and then eventually we watched 3. She's a big fan of the Pixar shorts. Uh, we saw Brave in the theaters. Uh, we just watched Wreck-It Ralph not too long ago. Plenty of Disney movies that I haven't seen. Um, so we got the idea to watch all the Disney movies from the beginning. And so far we have Snow White. We watched Pinocchio, which I don't think I ever really, ever really need to see again, unfortunately. Um, and then we just got to Fantasia last week, and I think Dumbo is next. Uh, the new Man of Steel movie is coming out, right? So I wanted her to experience the Superman movies that came before it. We saw one, we have to see two, and then I'll jump to Superman Returns. And the new movie won't have a connection to um, the older stuff, but it's still interesting to see how it all develops, right? That sort of chronological continuity of movie releasing. And um, the way one movie can inform the next one, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, whatever. Um, the Hobbit movie came out, we did a Lord of the Rings rewatch, although I still have yet to see The Hobbit. Dark Knight Rises came out, so we watched the first two Batman movies, stuff like that. And, and sometimes we just watch random movies, uh, for instance, she never saw Clue, so I made her watch Clue, right? Awesome movie. She didn't particularly, uh, take to it, but, um, I enjoyed watching it again. And, uh, you know, my it girl these days is Emma Stone. Um, I had never seen Easy A, so we sat down and watched that, and that was funny, yada, yada, yada. So all of that informed this casual movie drive that I've been having, right? And I want to watch movies. I want to watch the stuff that I should have been watching for years, you know? Uh, on my own personal list, um, because of the Oscars, I threw down uh, and jotted down um, that I want to watch all the James Bond movies. I don't think I've seen any of them straightway through, or if I did, I forget. Uh, I decided a while back that I'm probably at the perfect age to do a great Woody Allen movie watch. Never saw any Woody Allen movies. Uh, I'm all for a John Cusack movie watch, um, because he's my you know, one of my two favorite actors. Uh, and then on, on the list of movies to watch with my girl, I added the Brad Pack movies of the 80s, because there's a lot of them that she hasn't seen. Uh, and it would be just, be just kind of fun to see those actors develop and move through movie to movie to movie, and comedy, teen comedy, teen angst comedy, to there for a while they did thrillers, and then eventually they tried to do something, a, a movie of importance. You know, it's kind of interesting to see their career go. So I want to do that. Um, so all of that leads to the movies that I saw in the past week, uh, with or without my girlfriend. Uh, the two franchises that I've caught up with recently, uh, we watched the Alien movies because Prometheus had come out, and because my girlfriend likes Alan Rickman, I made her watch the first Die Hard, which meant that we had to continue on and watch all the rest, and then we went from there. So in the past week, I've seen Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, and Die Hard 4. And then, on my own, uh, I watched uh, Django Unchanged, Unchained. excuse me. Uh, but I don't have much to say on that, other than I had a hell of a time watching it. I'm sure it has tons of connections to other movies, and movie making in general. I dug the story, I dug the acting, it's hilarious. Um, I, I really liked the ballad of Django in the beginning, and the way it sort of plays out throughout the movie. Um, just a great movie. Really, just a great movie. Um, that's, that's pretty much all I can say about that. So let's start with Die Hard 4, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, um, or the whole Die Hard franchise in general. Uh, I can't really add anything to the first mu movie that hasn't already been said before. Uh, it's, it's great, right? 
Uh, we're both watching these movies, by the way. Um, a fifth one was just released, and I'm sure we'll see it when we can. So number four, it's big, it's fun, it's big in scope. Uh, it's like watching things get bigger and bigger in each movie, right? How to top the one before. Um, in the first one, criminals attacking a building, and then an airport, and then a city, and then finally in number four, a whole country, right? In in, in this installment, uh, the villains are using technology and computers and our, our reliance on tech and using it all against us. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays John McClane's daughter in this. She's lovely. It's I love everything she does, and she's, you know... Doesn't really add anything to the movie other than it's nice seeing her in the movie. Kevin Smith makes an appearance in this movie. More on him later in a later episode. Um, John McClane goes bald in this one. <laughs> and I thought took out the bad guy in a kind of clever, fucked up way myself. Um, ranking these diehard movies. Uh, number one is a classic. Come on. Uh, I really like three. Then I would have to go to four with number two... The one in the airport, dead last. Two was, you know, by the end of two, we both felt like it was too much of a rehash of number one with none of the charm. And certainly the villain had no charm, not in the way um, Alan Rickman has in the first movie. Um, there was bad post-dubbing, bad one-liners. I just, I really was not a fan of, of number two. Um, now, number four... You know, it's interesting, it's big, It's it's got John McClane doing his thing. Uh, there was a part where John McClane was on the wing of a fighter jet, and I, I almost thought, okay, this is almost too much, but I guess that's the point? And I know that's a sticking point for some people about Die Hard 4, that it was almost too casual in the, this is just an everyman type character against the villain, yet he can do all these amazing things. Um, I get that. I, I, I sort of can see that. But, I mean, let's face it, even in the first Die Hard, there's some crazy action sequences that, that go far beyond reasoning of what someone may or may not do. But, hey, you know, I, I totally get what people were saying about number four. I, I did. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as three, um, but I definitely liked it more than two. Now, two anyone who saw four and thought that it really was too much over the top and too big and too stunt oriented and maybe something that really shouldn't fit in John McClane's character. And one of the reasons why I'm even bringing it up in this episode to begin with is a while back, I came across an article that I'll link uh, to, I'll link to in the show notes um, that connects the diehard movies and Bruce Willis and his character to of all things, Unbreakable. And it's titled, Why Unbreakable is the Secret Meta-Sequel to Die Hard. It's a fascinating connection. It really is. And it's meant to be taken as, you know what, this is just a fun movie connection, right? And what it does is it places Unbreakable where it falls. It falls between Die Hard 3 and Die Hard 4. And it sets out to explain how this everyman character can survive the way he does, especially in the over-the-top over sequences of number, number four, like I was talking about. So you have to read the article. It's, it's all for fun. Don't take it as someone trying to make everybody agree with him and typing furiously and being all internet man-child. No, it's not that. It's, it's just for fun. And, and I think the biggest mind-blowing aspect of the article is, is this. So in Unbreakable... 
What are the three accidents caused by Mr. Glass on his search to, tr to try to find his opposite, right? And Mr. Glass, played by Samuel Jackson, right? The same guy that was in number three, same actor that was in number three. So he has these accidents, and, and the three of them are a fire in a high-rise, an airplane crash, and a train derailment, all of which are the settings of the first three Die Hard movies. Come on. That's fucking brilliant. All right, you have to read it, the rest of it, to get it. It's worth it just to kind of make you go, huh, that's cool. Even if you don't want to, you know, fall into it. And again, they're not trying to force you into this. It's just a, an interesting take. So uh, read the link. I think you'll enjoy it. Let's talk Alien. Of all the movies, um, I saw the second one in the theater, Aliens, James Cameron's continuation on the property. And I can remember at the time being blown away by it. The action, the scope, the scope of the conflict, the seriousness of it, uh, yet the way the humor was used to great effect to pull the audience in and, and keep the tension from getting too big. Um, that one sequence where the dropship almost crashes down onto Ripley and the Marines and the way that that looked on the big screen. I mean, the big sort of actionness of the movie just really was amazing and it blew my teenage mind at the time. Um, and then add to that that I love sci-fi. Um, not that Aliens really dipped into that, but, uh, you know, it's there and, and I'm just, I, I love it. I'm golden. So the whole Alien franchise, digging it the whole way. Um, so along comes Prometheus, the announcement that they're going to make this movie, and all of the is you is or is you ain't an alien prequel stuff. So m my girlfriend and I start from the beginning. I've never seen Alien, Alien, the first one. I've I never sat down and watched it. It's amazing. It's amazing sci-fi horror. Um, it has very loving tributes to other sci-fi movies, especially 2001. Great acting, great tension. Uh, I remember my girlfriend saying that she was... She finally could release her tension by the end of the movie. Um, great. Just a, an amazing movie, right? I, I don't need to say that to anybody. You guys already. If you've seen it, you already know. Um, then Aliens, right? Already talked about that. Um, which brings us to what we all watched uh, this past week. All right. Alien 3. Now, I'm sure many of you know the premise if you've seen it. It's the third part of the Ripley story. It take, takes place on the heels of 2. She crash lands onto a prison planet of just men. Uh, the xenomorphs um, show their adaptability by being sprung from and, and assuming characteristics of a dog. Uh, Ripley has a queen inside of her. She commits suicide at the end of it uh, in order not to get captured by the uh, Wayland yutani Corp. Uh, and then that's, you know, where the story ends. For now, obviously. Um, there's the backstory of the movie that is almost just as interesting. <laughs> David Fincher's uh, directing it. I think it's his debut. There were many, many, many script rewrites, some that didn't even feature Ripley at all. Uh, the production was on again, off again. Sets were built for previous scripts and then never used. Uh, David Fincher walked away from his involvement of it in later years. Um, you know, I certainly give this movie credit for trying to be something about it amidst all that chaos. Uh, that may also be the fault of it. Um, 
there's a uh, something called there's a version of it called the assembly cut that I I kind of want to see just to see different see, see what other kind of movie could have been uh, with this uh, Alien Three movie. It contains different parts of the story, an expansion of different parts. I think the ending is different. Uh, they changed changed some things here and there. Um, but as for Alien Three, I didn't hate it. I absolutely did not hate it. I, I can see where it is choppy. As a trilogy for from Alien, Aliens, and then Alien Three, just looking at Ripley's story, um, uh, you know that, that certainly, for lack of a better phrase, made sense. So it's it's interesting. It's it's not the greatest Alien movie, obviously, but it is interesting. Uh, then I saw Alien Resurrection, the fourth Alien movie, most noted for its screenplay by Joss Whedon. And this one, uh, where Ripley is cloned back to life 200 years after Alien 3, and because she was cloned from blood that came from her body, uh, at the same time as having a queen inside of her, Ripley is uh, cloned, and she is part alien, part human. And it's an interesting movie. Um, Joey Alessio uh, from the Chemical Box podcast on Twitter, we were talking about it, and he said to me, "It's a comedic take on the franchise," and I can see that. I, I can, I can see that's what it wound up being. Um, there were some interesting parts to it. The whole. Ripley realizing she's part alien, part human. Certainly there was some fun exploration in that. When she finds the other predecessor clones and and what that does to her um, was an interesting scene. I thought, I thought maybe that would then lead into something after it, but it didn't. Um, having said all that, coming away from that at the end... Of that movie, I think both me and my girlfriend, we both walked away liking 3 a bit more, oddly enough. Uh, not that that means 3 is quality and that 4 is crap. It's just, of the two, I kind of enjoyed 3 a little bit more. I thought it was a little bit more of an alien movie than 4 was. Um, I mean, obviously nothing holds up to the first two, but 4 took place in the alien movie world, but it didn't necessarily world build, if that makes sense. Now, Joss Whedon was quoted as saying, um, this was him about the movie, he said, it wasn't a question of doing everything differently, although they changed the ending. It was mostly a matter of doing everything wrong. They said the lines mostly, but they said them all wrong, and they cast it all wrong, and they designed it all wrong, and they scored it wrong. They did everything wrong that they could possibly do. There's actually a fascinating lesson in filmmaking because everything that they did reflects back to the script or looks like something from the script. And people assume that if I hated it, then they'd changed the script. But it wasn't so much that they changed the script, it's that they just executed it, it in such a ghastly fashion as to render it almost unwatchable. Ouch. Kind of reminds me of, you know, he did a bunch of script um, punches in X-Men, the first X-Men movie, and you sort of can see where they fall, but because it isn't necessarily done in the Joss Whedon way, it kind of doesn't feel right, and I guess that's kind of what Joss Whedon is saying, um, that this wasn't the movie that he wrote, the movie that eventually got to screen. It is, it's kind of jokey, and, it, and it's a little bit larger than... Um, the Ripley focus, which it was meant to be, but it's also larger than almost the alien focus. It's like all this other stuff going on. So 
it's it's okay now uh, to get all meta again and to, and to see what kind of fun interesting connections you can find among all these movies or out, or outside of these movies what I did find interesting about four is that clearly the characters in four that belong to this uh, rogue ship that's called the Betty um, that come into the world of alien uh, it's uh, Ron Perlman it's Winona Ryder that um, that group, that sort of mercenary group, it has a captain, his love interest, it has a tech guy, it has a, a rogue macho man, it has a young neophyte girl with, with a secret, with powers almost. Clearly, that group, that very roguish group, is the prototype to what Joss would eventually do in, Fire, in Firefly. Watch, watch 4 again. Watch Alien Resurrection again. If you've seen Firefly, watch it. And I've only ever seen Serenity, and I made this connection. I thought, well, damn, this is like, what if Firefly existed in the Alien universe? Uh, for that little bit of meta mashup, it's really worth watching again. It's interesting. And, and if you do, see if you can see the parallels, right, between Call and Alien Resurrection, the Winona Ryder character, and River and Firefly between Jonner and Jane Cobb, between uh, Sabra and Zoe. I mean, it's there. It really is there in a fun, interesting way, right? Don't get too heady on it. But it feels like this was the early version of Firefly. I'd be real curious to grab Joss Whedon's ear and see if uh, anybody has ever asked him that or made that connection. Uh, I haven't found it on the net. Not to say that I've looked everywhere, but I think that's a fun little connection. Alright, all of which leads to Prometheus. What a lovely sci-fi movie it is. Um, I can see why people are divided. Those that wanted a true alien prequel uh, and those that see it as a standalone movie, an offshoot movie. Clearly it's both. You know, it runs parallel to the alien story but branches off to tell its own story uh, purposely. You know, the, everything I've read about it... Um, all the script changes and all the people who were brought in and, and the directing and, you know, they clearly wanted it to run parallel and not run smack into Alien. Uh, I think the potential for future movies is great. Uh, I look forward to seeing if that potential is actually explored and reinforced. Um, it certainly opens up the Alien story to be larger uh, than what it was without doing what Alien Resurrection did and totally feeling like another world altogether or just a, a different movie or whatever. Um, I liked the questions that it asked, the themes, the idea of where do we come from, who made us, why, uh, the cycle of life, the cycle of the engineers, mimicking the cycle of the xenomorphs, um, the way they mirror, the creation of life, the creation of ways to destroy life. Um, and then when life creates life, um, destroying our makers, you know, there's a lot there. And I think on the initial watch, I, I wanted it to be deeper. Uh, I think the start of the movie allows for far more stuff than where it uh, ultimately ends. But I was pleased and I was sucked in and, and I'm sure as I watch it again and again, I'll see more and more to it. Um, this is, this is sci-fi. 
Uh, not to the strictest sense, but it is sci-fi to me. The tech, the story, the way it connects back to humanity, the questions that we ask, um, the exploration of faith in, in the faith of science. I, I thought that was interesting and was definitely something that um, felt like could have been explored more. Good movie. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I, I can't wait to see what else we get out of it. I'm a little torn on Charlize Theron's character. Um, I, I understand the necessity of her character, but I thought that was—I thought she was the least. She had the least journey um, in the movie. You know, from from one place to the next. I thought she had the least development, development, the least growth. Um, but I did. I really liked that movie. Uh, I, 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 it's, it wasn't perfect, but it was. Um, engaging, and I, I really do want to watch it again and uh, see what else I get from it. And it was fun to watch the movie after having seen all four of the other movies, right? You know, they're, they're, you can see some obvious connections, visual connections, some dialogue things, um, the character of David, um, the crew of Prometheus, some of them being scientists, some of them being rough you know, just in for the money. A lot of connections to other the, to the other previous movies for, for obvious reasons. Um, some random thoughts. Uh, the, I thought the opening of the movie, having just seen Fantasia, especially the Rite of Spring section, which explores the origins of life, the opening of Prometheus <laughs> is oddly kind of like a real-life representation of that. Uh, the music, right, over this grand landscape, these different landscapes that you're seeing as, as, as they go over Earth, the building blocks of life, the single-celled organisms giving over to multi-celled organisms, and eventually the life as we know it. I, I thought that was great, the way our DNA is built and um, the visual aspects of it and the way, as I remember Fantasia, oddly enough, right, you know, you go back and you're like, oh wait, this, okay, there's an interesting connection. That is, uh, that's part of the fun movie-making stuff I was talking about earlier, that, uh, I kind of am um, starting to appreciate now because I'm watching more and more movies. Uh, not that I'm saying that the directors purposely did this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm making that connection, visual connection, having seen one and having watched the opening of Prometheus. Um, the other thought I had is how badass is Michael Fassbender as David? Um, watching him in this movie, his very cold, calm... Um, his persona, uh, yet there's this, there's something very sinister underneath. How amazing would Michael Fassbender have been as Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, in the Watchmen movie? He would have been great. I think he would have been great. His look was there, his, his mannerisms, his persona, the way he, the way he talked, um, the way he looked at other people. Ah, oh, God, he would have been amazing. So I thought that was cool as I was watching it. I was like, yeah. Michael Fassbender. He would have rocked that. Um, so that's it. Those are the movies I saw. And then uh, my girlfriend hadn't ever seen Social Network before, so she watched it. I've seen it before. Uh, and she, she liked that. You know, I thought it was very cool. And um, The other part of watching movies that's cool is watching directors or scriptwriters talk about the movies. And I watched a few interviews with Aaron Sorkin about uh, the Social Network and he kept mentioning Rashomon, uh, you know, that this movie, The Social Network, was the Rashomon for the Internet age, where one story gets told 
uh, three different ways by three different people, right? Every They're telling the same story, yet they're all different. And instead of trying to focus on one, you show them all. And he kept mentioning that name, and I looked it up, and here it's a 1950 Akira Kurosawa movie with Kazuo Miyagawa. Uh, and that made me say, hey, that's awesome. Now I want to see that, right? Because just like in comics, the beauty of it is when it leads just leads you to something else, right? This this movie A leads you to B and then collides with C and eventually you're at Z, right? Like, I, I dig that. I love that. So that was a nice little uh, thing to learn about the social network. Uh, and then the other movie that um, we sat and watched just because it was on uh, was Heather's. She had never seen Heather's. And it's certainly a, a cult generational movie um, with many, many one-liners that were quoted a lot when I was younger. Uh, I'm not sure she certain. I'm not sure she saw what I see in that movie, but I quite enjoyed watching it again. It had, it had been a long time, so great week for movies for me personally, and I look forward to more. Um, as I said, I'm going to try to watch that Rambo uh, collection, uh, and then on demand had a bunch of free movies that I haven't seen, but I, I'm kind of curious to see uh, Moneyball, Wag the Dog. I've never seen that. Push. I want to see that movie, um, and uh, oddly enough, I don't know why, but Ghost Rider 2 is on there, so I may even try to watch that. So there you go. That's my movie discussion uh, for the week. I uh, hope you enjoyed what you heard, and maybe you learned something or two about some of these movies. Go check out that that link that I mentioned about Unbreakable. I think you'll really enjoy that. <clears throat> All right, uh, I'm out for tonight. Uh, I will see you tomorrow, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then Friday. Another week of the Daily Rios is here. Be safe, have fun, enjoy, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.